The second section of Psalms, known as the Exodus Psalms, remind us that the God who redeemed us is still with us. In fact, He has promised to never leave us or forsake us. Today, we join Scott Pauling in opening God's roadmap for life. Find your place in the Word of God in the Psalms, and let's discover what God has for us along the way. Friday the 13th has not been an unlucky day for me. No, it was on a Friday the 13th that my bride walked down an aisle and said, I do. I'm thinking now of the wonderful day when my wife and I were married. And if you've been married, you have in your mind some memory of that very special day, how glorious and how wonderful. But did you know that there is a wedding day to come that will outshine them all? It is the day when the king and the king's wife come together in eternal union. I'm referring to the Lord Jesus Christ and His church. The New Testament refers to Christ and the church as the bride and the bridegroom and their union. But that's found in the Old Testament as well. And we've come to a psalm that is a marriage psalm. Literally, Psalm 45, one of the titles just above uh, the verses in Psalm 45 calls it a song of loves. And not just any kind of love. No, this is divine love, divine marriage, divine union. It's beautiful. It is uh, reminiscent, really, of the entire book of Song of Solomon that shows the union and communion of the king and the king's wife. Uh, listen to how it begins. Psalm 45, verse 1, My heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Uh, we get wedding announcements in the mail, and they're wonderful. They're exciting. They're, they're thrilling. We rejoice. The psalmist says, I've got a wedding announcement for you that I'm so excited to share, and I'm just going to talk about it. I'm going to tell you about the king and the king's bride and let you rejoice with me. And that's what the rest of the psalm is about. It divides into two parts. Let's walk through the first part. Beginning in verse number 2, it's all about the king. He says, Thou art fairer than the children of men. Friend, the Lord Jesus Christ is the fairest of 10,000. There's none more beautiful than our Lord Jesus. He's perfect. It says, Grace is poured into thy lips, therefore God hath blessed thee forever. That's right, when Jesus came, He was full of grace and truth. Every word He speaks is gracious. Verse 3, Gird thy sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty, with thy glory and thy majesty, and in thy majesty ride prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness, and thy right hand shall teach thee terrible things. Here's the character of the bridegroom. Uh, he is mighty. He is full of glory. He is full of truth. He is meek. He is righteous. Oh, I tell you, there's no bridegroom like the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5 says, Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under thee. Uh, this is his power. He's greater than all the enemies. Verse 6 says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Can you see him seated upon the throne with a scepter in his hand? That is his eternal place. He is seated there now. He will be seated over the throne of the universe for all of eternity. God has exalted him to that place. Verse 7, Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore God thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Now here is, his, here is His beautiful nature. 
He hates wickedness and he loves righteousness. And I would say to you, those who are subjects of the kings should be the same way. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, you should hate wickedness. And the only way to hate wickedness is first, you have to love righteousness. When you love the Lord, you'll love what He loves and you'll hate what He hates. And I love the way God connects uh, this, this moral uprightness in the beginning of verse 7 uh, to the joy found in the end of verse 7. See, some people think that holiness and happiness are mutually exclusive. You can't have both. But I want to submit to you that the happiest souls are those that are the holiest that real joy is always connected to being right with God. In fact, the Bible says of the Lord Jesus, He's been anointed with the oil of gladness above His fellows. The happiest person that ever lived was the Lord Jesus. The man of sorrows acquainted with grief has greater joy than any. This is repeated in Hebrews chapter 1 about Him. And I want to tell you, if you're going to have the joy of the Lord and enjoy the journey, then you're going to have to follow in His steps and be a holy man, a holy woman, walking upright before God. He says of the king in verse 8, All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia, out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. There's the gladness again. But notice, do you see him coming out of heaven with a fragrance of God upon him? Oh, this is wonderful. Verse 9 says, King's daughters were among thy honorable women. Upon thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of Ophir. So now we move from the king to the king's bride. And this is a picture of the church. Hearken, O daughter, and consider, and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. Remember, the bride is to leave father and cleave unto her husband. Well, this is the beautiful picture. Those who would know the Lord uh, must repent of their sin and by faith receive Christ and Christ alone for their soul's salvation. We, We forget all others and we cling only to Him. Verse 11 says, So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy Lord. I love this. The only beauty we have is the beauty He gives us. He's the one who clothes us in wedding garments. He's the one who prepares us for His presence. He's purifying His bride now, Ephesians 5 says. And so this is the king's wife submitting to the king, saying yes to whatever he desires. And I love the end of verse 11, And worship thou Him. Friend, we are His bride, but all worship goes to Him. All glory goes to Him. All honor goes to Him. Everybody knows that in weddings today, nobody really cares about the groom. He wears a rented tux. He comes out of a side door from a small room. He stands at the front and nobody watches him. All eyes are on the bride. All honors on the bride. While that may be true in our culture and custom here today, I want you to know that someday when Jesus comes, all eyes will be on the groom. Here comes the groom. Because he alone is perfect and worthy of worship. The Bible says in verse 12, And the daughter of Tyre shall be there with a gift. Even the rich among the people shall entreat thy favor. Everybody's going to rejoice in his presence someday and give him glory and honor. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Verse 13 says, The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is all wrought of gold. She shall be brought unto the king in raiment of needlework. The virgins or companions that follow her shall be brought unto thee. With gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought. They shall enter into the king's palace. Instead of thy fathers shall be thy children, whom thou mayest make princes in all the earth. I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore shall the people praise thee forever and ever. This is a picture of the marriage day, and then the marriage supper of the Lamb, and then the eternal union of Christ and His people. We are going to be brought into His palace. 
That's where I'm going. Somebody said, where are you headed to? This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Uh, this world, this, this earth, my house, my body, that's my temporary home. But God, His heaven, that is my eternal home. I'm going to be with Him forever. Not just a wedding, but then a married life, if you will. I am going to be united with Christ forever. And what are we going to do? We're going to do exactly what the last verse of this wedding psalm says. Psalm 45, 17. The people are going to praise Him forever and ever. So let me give you a couple of applications. First of all, make sure you know the King. If you've never been saved, right now, call on Him and say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. I want to be one with you now and forever. And He'll make you a part of His bride. And if you are a believer, begin today to rejoice and to praise Him. Get your eyes on Him, His beauty, His wonder. It'll prepare you for the day you're going to be with Him forever. And begin to tell others about Him. This, my friend, this Psalm 45 is a reminder to us of the great bridegroom we have and the great future we have with Him. Let's get ready today to see Jesus face to face. If you would like more information on knowing the Lord Jesus Christ in a personal way, or more information on growing in your faith, please visit us at scottpauley.org. We would love to hear from you. From there, you may also download your free copy of A Ready Reference of the Psalms to help you in our current study. We are praying that God will guide you today and that you will enjoy the journey.